Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. TWIP is also brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras, changing photography for the next generation, and FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. To try FreshBooks for free, just go to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, and when you sign up, enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Before we dive into this week's show, here's a quick look at what's happening on the expanding TWIP network. Over on the candid frame, a Barry next Perillo sits down with Korean-American editorial photographer Hatnam Lee. And on All About the Gear, Doug and Gordon give their thoughts on the Canon Rebel T6i and T6s. And on our newest show, Jenny Stein goes beyond the camera smile with Jesh D. Rocks. And on TWIP Talks, I personally sit down with Melissa Rodwell to talk about joining the breed. And on TWIP Weddings, it's a very timely episode. Some insights on shooting same-sex weddings with Steven Rosen. And on The Fix, a discussion about mobile apps and iPhone photography book giveaway with Eric Reno. And on your itinerary, Rob chats with the ubiquitous Levi Sim of Photo Focus. And finally, on Street Focus, our popular Streets of the World segment. This time, it's Kathmandu with Chris Marquardt. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. This is TWIP, episode 419, Creative Cloud 2015. There's no question that Adobe is the undisputed heavyweight when it comes to building fantastic tools for creatives. I don't know one photographer or graphic designer that doesn't have at least one piece of Adobe software installed on their workstation. And with the introduction of the Creative Cloud, Adobe cleverly created a frictionless road to frequent updates. That is, for those willing to pay their subscription fees. Now, this subscription model is a no-brainer for millions of photographers worldwide, but for others, specifically the people who only use one or two programs and rarely update, it's not much of a bargain. Still, it looks like the cloud is here to stay, and with it, a regular IV drip of features from the Adobe mothership. In this episode, we discuss the latest update to the Creative Cloud, and we find out whom on the panel is actually getting their money's worth out of their all-you-can-eat subscription. We also discuss Adobe's newest service, Adobe Stock, which will be integrated into the majority of Adobe's applications. Is this the rebirth of stock, or is it the final nail in the coffin? Here to discuss Adobe's updates to the Creative Cloud and other photography news of the week, I'm joined by Mr. Don Komarechka. Ms. Cheryl Machat-Dorskind, and the host of TWIP Family, Ms. Jenny Stein. It's Monday, June 29th, 2015, and this is TWIP. All right, guys, uh, this is going to be a really good episode of This Week in Photo. Um, as I mentioned in that intro, I have Mr. Don Komarechka, Cheryl Machat-Dorskind, and also our newest addition to the This Week in Photo family, Ms. Jenny Stein. Hey, guys. Hey. hey, Frederick. Hi. All right. This is, this is going to be a good show. we got lots to talk about. I know you all have varying opinions on this week's news, but before we do that, Jenny, tell us about your show a little bit. What do you got going on there? Okay, so we have Twip Family, so yep. it's a show all about taking pictures of your family, which I know you guys are, oops, everybody's doing it, you know, yep. everybody takes pictures, even if you're professional or not. If you have kids, you can't help it. Yeah. So... There's practical things, and then there's just the experience of it. There's how to, we haven't gotten into yet, like how to store them, how to print, you know, printing, all kinds. There's so much to talk about. I'm really excited. Yeah, and you're on episode number four already, right? Right, yeah. Five comes out tomorrow. Well, it'll be already come out, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. really excited. They've been good shows. Very cool. I've, awesome. learned, I've learned something from every one of the interviews, so good. it's good for me. <laughs> yeah, people seem to like it. Good. Well, keep it up. Keep it up, and welcome. A, a Thank harm you. Of a hearty official welcome to you to the This Week in Photo family. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Also part of the This Week in Photo family, Cheryl, tell us what you've been up to. I feel like I haven't talked to you since, what, last summer or something? When, when was no, the last we, time? we spoke in January, and then we had like 20 inches of snow, right? Oh, yeah. Late at night. Um, I've been really busy. You know, it's summer in the Hamptons, so I'm photographing. I'm doing my safaris. I'm mentoring. I'm online teaching, and I got discovered by Getty, which is sort of fun. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff going on. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the show. It's always good to get your opinion on this stuff. 
thanks. All right, Mr. Don Komarechka. Don, what's going on up north? Uh, well, you know, I, lots of traveling, and uh, my wife and I just bought a new house. So I think this might even oh, be my first time on uh, nice. on a Twip with the, uh, the the new studio that I'm still putting together here. Yeah, uh, that's a different background. Where's the Canadian flag and the, all that stuff? It's it's actually just in the other room. The big camera that it's draped over is in the uh, the sort of the entranceway down here. Okay. And uh, and so, but yeah, I, I plan on uh, getting more stuff on the walls and and improving this. There's still a lot to do. Um, and in fact, today. You know, it was my birthday, so I said to myself, you know, I haven't done the garden. We've been here for like a month. The weeds are taking over, so now that's done. And my next priority, Frederick, and I, I know you're going to be really happy to hear this, there's no other big project on my table right now besides launching my podcast on the TWIP network, which will yes. be, um, <laughs> I'm going to call it uh, Inside the Lens. And uh, so it's going to take a scientific approach to photography. We're going to get geeky. We're going to talk psychology and philosophy and all of these wonderful things in addition to pushing pixels and physics and all that stuff. So it'll yeah. be fun. That's that's going to be an awesome show because I'm a big science geek myself and a photographer. So Hey, this happy is... birthday. I yeah, know. Happy that's birthday. right. Happy birthday. <laughs> that's right. You see, how, you see how Don snuck that in there? He's like, he yeah. He did. <laughs> That was cool. That was cool. Well, happy birthday, man! And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the collaboration because it's gonna be nice. Like I said, I'm a geek, love science, all this stuff, and you're gonna be the network's resident Neil deGrasse Tyson. So thank you. Don't put me on that pedestal. <laughs> I have that is just such a high, lofty goal to reach for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I believe you can reach it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's dive into the news here. So story number one is about Adobe. Um, uh, some of the features that are in Creative Cloud 2015. So they recently announced a number of updates and enhancement to the Creative Cloud suite. So Creative everyone knows they just came out in 20, or I think they first launched the Creative Cloud in 2012. And over this span of time, part of the, the whole idea behind the Creative Cloud is that they could be iterative about their releases instead of you waiting years for the next big giant release. So they drip feed them out. So in the latest, for the latest, there was a bunch of updates in the latest uh, round of revisions from, uh, from the Creative Cloud, but the highlights for photographers include, and this is, I want you guys' opinion on this, so Creative Sync. It's a, a technology that allows you to sync files across everything, all your machines, including your photos, fonts, vectors, brushes. I'm reading from their list here. Settings, metadata, even the stock images that you get from Adobe Stock, which we're also going to talk about on this episode. So all that stuff. Also, uh, and the Creative Cloud, what do they have here? So they have this new feature called Artboard, which I have not played with. There's just a ton of stuff in here, and I wanted to get you, your opinion. Don, first starting with you, when just your overall feel so far, kind of taking a temperature, your temperature on the whole idea of subscription software, and then B, these new features in this latest round. What do you think? I, I love the idea of subscription software, and I have since the, the inset, but the issue is um, there needs to be competition. Yeah. So if nobody is approaching Adobe to kind of make them forcefully put out new features to stay competitive, then we're not going to see everything that I want to see. Yeah. Uh, even though Adobe has, within their ability, uh, you know, they can do so much more than they've done for us. You mentioned the Creative Sync and some of these features. I think that they're very strong for like an advertising agency or uh, an environment where you have environments, creatives right? that are all sharing the same assets. But yeah. a lot of photographers uh, are sort of a, 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 a one-stop shop. My computer is where I hold everything, and I'm not necessarily collaborating in a very in-depth way with a lot of other people. So those kind of pass me by a little bit. I'm not going to use a lot of those features. Um, some stuff, and I don't know if it was released in the 20... I, I, don't remember seeing it before, but uh, in, in Lightroom and in Photoshop, now when you're doing a local adjustment brush, the whites and the blacks uh, sliders are there, and I think before it used to be just highlights and shadows. You are right. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and so I'm thinking things like that, they, they make my editing workflow better. But I have wanted for years for Adobe to have the hue, saturation, and luminance adjustments in that local adjustment brush, and they've just proven they could add any random thing to it. And so that just makes me mad, because the ones that I want are not there, and I asked them years ago if it was technically possible, and they said yes. Yeah. So I just I want competition to help them push this forward, because without yeah. competition, we're just going to see the software uh, in, in a crippled form so that they could say, 
you know, every you know six months, every year, they're going to roll out new features that you know they they we could already have. So you think so? They you should competition will help turn the spigot of innovation and and new feature releases, right? I agree. Yeah. 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 Jenny, what about you? You know, so I have no idea what your level of involvement or understanding of Photoshop is, but I know you're an excellent photographer. So start with that. I mean, are you okay, familiar so with Photoshop? I, I am, but I, I just, most of the stuff, I just use Lightroom. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically, I stay there. And actually, when I read through the show notes, I was like, I got excited about the unhaze. But, <laughs> I, and I was like, oh, good. I'm sure I can find one of those. Yeah, <laughs> the unhaze. Yeah, or dehaze also yeah, allows you. Is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 yeah unhaze, dehaze, yeah. yeah. But it allows you to also add haze as well, like, right. a, like a fog filter. Well, right. So I wasn't able to play with it yet, though, because I, I didn't realize. I, I hadn't updated my uh, my Lightroom. So I was, yeah. like, trying, yeah. to, trying to get up to speed to talk about it, and then I was like, ah, I don't have time. So but, uh, I want to I wanna ask you about this, Jenny, so before you continue. So you, I want to get your perspective on the whole creative cloud subscription software thing. So, you know, like Don was saying, in some environments you have these group environments and they can take advantage of all these collaborative features and all that, but you're, you're much like us, right? You're an entrepreneur, you're at home, you know, you have a home office and a computer and all that. Do you care about... Creative Cloud, like having access to the entire Adobe software library, or or what? I don't. Not at all. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. I, right. I'm. I like this. I actually like the subscription idea because I feel like it gets outdated so quickly that it's nice that you're just you know can just keep going and keep getting the updates and not have to wait for one whole big update that they want everyone to buy. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that. But yeah, there's a lot of features that I'm aren't speaking to me as just a, you know, wanting to photograph my family and other families. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a shotgun approach to satisfying everyone's needs at once. Cheryl, right. what about you? You know, as you dive in, like specifically you're you're running around, you like you said in the beginning, you're doing these workshops, you're shooting, you're doing all this stuff. How does uh, how does the creative cloud and and sort of their cadence of releasing new features help you or do you care? You know, is it like, oh, I'm only using Lightroom Photoshops or whatever? No, I've, I've um, I don't even know how long. I've been an early adapter. I have the whole creative suite. I, mm -hmm. I really, I don't, I guess I get geeky too. I love <laughs> software. I, I use Dreamweaver. I, the only thing I don't really know that well is Illustrator, but I would like to learn it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I really take advantage of the whole creative cloud. And, and what I think Adobe is doing that's nice for photographers is they're making it easier for photographers to have the creative suite just in the Photoshop portion because now you can do with that lay, those layout boards, for instance. And they're making it much easier for you to, to create ads, to create um, your own web designs. Um, so, they're, so they're taking elements from... InDesign, for instance, and giving it to photographers. So, um, I think that's nice of Adobe. I, yeah. You know what I mean? So then you don't have to get the Creative Suite because Creative Suite is a lot more money. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think a disadvantage of the the syncing stuff is um, you run out of memory really quick. I'm like on 98 percent, and I don't I don't even know I don't even know what I have on there. Um, yeah. In yeah. assets, uh, you know, you 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 take a couple of fonts and then uh, you save a couple of brushes and you're at memory, and uh, so that's the disadvantage. They're gonna, you know, you have to pay money to use it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the I'm still watching this. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the Creative Cloud, but. I and I I'm like you, sir. I'm a geek, so I decide, you know, I want to, I want access to everything so I can poke the tires and all this stuff. But if you graphed my usage of the Creative Cloud over the last 365 days, it would be flatline Lightroom, Photoshop, back down, <laughs> and then flatline. That's it. I'm not using any of the other tools except Lightroom and Photoshop. Not and especially so my even for layout and design, I'm in Apple Pages for for the most part. So yeah, but it, it, that's limiting. What you don't use Premiere Pro at all for your videos? No, I'm using Final Cut 10. So so I've been using Premiere Pro. It's really it's great software. Yeah, no, it is. It is. 
Go ahead. I, I use all the Adobe software as well. Um, I used InDesign to, to write a book. I use Illustrator quite frequently, uh, Premiere Pro whenever I have a video project on, and of course Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, and and I can see some advancements that uh, that Adobe really hammers home. Like in Premiere, when you want to encode uh, video. I've got a powerhouse of a computer here. It's going to use every ounce of horsepower you can throw at it to make that happen faster. And they're yeah. constantly fixing that kind of stuff. I, I wish they applied that kind of uh, methodology to Photoshop because when I'm doing very complex and very you know processor-intensive stuff like focus stacking and all these crazy things, it's only going to use maybe six or eight cores, but my computer has 24. And I know that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's far more than most photographers ever will. But... Why is it not N-Core optimized? Why can't you just divide it up into 24 pieces and you know send everything at it? I mean, there's certain things that uh, that they're a little bit slow to adopt, and uh, you know it, it slows down my workflow. I hate watching progress bars go. That's that's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Um, but one you, of the new you, things you remind as you go through that, you remind me of like. You know, Scotty complaining that he can only do warp nine. <laughs> you, know, like, you can do. You have this massive supercomputer and Don's like, but it should be able to do warp ten. <laughs> but but you know, on one software uh, that I use quite regularly, uh, like when I use Perfect Resize from them, it'll use every single core uh, yeah. that I have. It'll max things out. So I mean, there's maybe there's some technical limitations, but I think that making me work faster. Is something that Adobe should uh, really, you know, put right on the forefront. Make photographers you know, more efficient, and I think that they do that. Uh, and when you see that they've really kicked up the Mercury graphics engine in uh, in Photoshop, so that when you're using the healing brush tool, it'll actually show you a a real live preview of how that's happening. And that's a helpful learning tool too for yeah. photographers because yeah. um, if if you've ever used the the healing brush tool around a high contrast edge, it bleeds off. And you have to really scratch your head and figure out, yeah, what's going on? Why is this happening? Where is the boundary in which this happens? And if you could see it live, then the learning curve becomes a lot, uh, a lot simpler. Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff that I like to see Adobe doing, and I'd like to see more of that too. Uh, it, it's incremental, though. There's nothing that really makes me say, okay, if you don't have the creative suite, you need it now. It's just it's incremental. Yeah. Well, who, who would you say, before we leave this topic, Don, who would you say – you know, if if you turn you you know you read your your RSS feeds or your, whatever you do to consume your news tomorrow morning, and it says X company has entered the the creative design and production market to compete directly with Adobe. You know, and it's it's front page highlight news. What company would that be? I you know I don't know. You, you look at the stuff that Google has done in the past. I mean, they would they would be the big powerhouse, but yeah. they've really not hit this market. And it's not in Google's market to do this. Um, they're not catering to the professional. They're catering to everybody. Yeah. So who's catering to the professional? Well, very few. Um, you look at the companies that still exist in the space. I mean, Corel is still around. They're a Canadian company. Um, and from like the one photographer that I know that uses their software, they like it. But there's no market share, and there's there, there's just no competition from that. Who is going to uh, usurp the uh, the throne? I I can't even think of anybody, and that that's where I'm sort of upset. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, and then you know, granted, on the side of Adobe, the, all, most of the software, if not all the software that I use, is always top notch. I mean, there's more power in the software that I have on my computer right now that I will ever, ever, ever touch. You know, so you know, I I agree with you 100%. Capitalism, you know, we want competition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, when it comes down to it, I have the tools, most of the tools I need to get everything I could dream of done if I just spend the time learning it, right? So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, guys, let's, let's, uh, let's move on with this. After the break, we're going to be talking about the introduction, more Adobe stuff, of Adobe Stock. So it's the company's entry into stock photography and integrating that into the rest of your Creative Cloud suite. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix cameras and the new Lumix G7 4K mirrorless interchangeable lens camera. This hybrid camera puts the power of 4K video and photography into the hands of all of us. Hybrid is when you mix stills and video, and now with the 4K photo features built into the Lumix G7, you can turn your 4K videos into high-resolution photos with just the touch of the screen. And because the camera can record 4K at up to 30 frames per second, you'll never miss a photo moment ever again. 
And with its groundbreaking depth from defocusing technology, you'll achieve super fast track focusing that rivals some of the best DSLRs in the world. And add to this that the camera is controllable from a smartphone app and you end up with a camera that's changing photography for all of us. Find out more about this new camera over at lumixlounge.com and follow at lumixusa on Twitter for updates. All right, guys, let's dive into story number two. Like I mentioned before the break, Adobe's entering the stock market with Adobe Stock. So along with the update of the Creative Cloud suite that we just talked about, Adobe is also rolling out this newest service, which will be integrated into the majority of Adobe's applications. So when this is turned on, which it is now, you can go in and say an Illustrator, pull in an application from they're partnering with companies like Fotolia, which includes 40 million pieces of content and other content providers they're saying they'll be adding in soon. But you could go into that app, pull what you need, and then start your design around it, which is kind of cool. I think that's that integration is cool. I'm wondering what the panel thinks the future of A, stock photography is, because I thought it was dead, and then B, B, Adobe moving to grab even more of your creative mindset. Cheryl, you want to go first? What do you think? So, stock well, photography? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I just um, signed with Getty. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about stock. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of photographers had told me before I signed, you know, be careful with Getty and right, right. blah, blah, blah. Um, so then I was looking at the Adobe stock photos today. I mean, I think it's a great idea for Adobe and for us users. I mean, for me as a photographer, I wouldn't want my photos being in Adobe stock. I, I just, that's... You that's mean because of, because of the price? Because it says yeah, images can be purchased from stock at 9 or 10 bucks a piece. And you can subscribe to two plans where you get ten dollars a month for fifty bucks or seven fifty seven hundred and fifty images a month for a hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, I mean wow. I, <laughs> I mean I, I I don't know. I just that's really start, starting to for me devalue my work. Ten dollars yeah. a picture. I mean I don't I don't know. So I mean I'm not in the penny stock with Getty. I'm in a, yeah. in a nice collection there, and good, good, um, good. and I don't I think. I think stock is great. I think people need stock photography. So yeah. I don't know, but uh, you know, I use um, a mail uh, online mailing thing. They have stock. Every but every everybody seems to be using stock now. If you yeah. have some some printed data, it's, it's, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting that. I don't know. I mean, maybe what they're, it looks like what they're doing is essentially doing with what companies like Shutterstock are doing. So it's a, yeah. you know, they have this subscription and you can buy the a la carte and all that. We use a lot of Shutterstock, Shutterstock on the site. They're not sponsoring this particular episode, but they've sponsored episodes before. And and we buy images from them and, and put them in the, in the site. Whereas, you know, us, This Week in Photo and the This Week in Photo Network as a content creation network, and a bootstrapped content creation network, it wouldn't be, it would be untenable for us to be purchasing high quality, expensive art for every show that we publish. So companies like this and these kinds of services make it easy for us. Don, what about you? What do you, what do you think? I know you're, I, you are, aren't you in a collection somewhere? You, you're a snowflake collection or something? Uh, well, okay. So uh, I have some of my um, my more scientifically oriented images um, in uh, Science Source, which is a, a, a special sort of tailor-made stock agency for that kind of work. So if somebody's looking for an image to put into a biology textbook, they might go there, yeah. and uh, and the rates are going to be higher, and they don't they don't uh, devalue it. Uh, the way that you know many penny stock places will, you know, if it's on there for a year, then it's going to get even cheaper and things like that. Um, some of those things are a bit more timeless. So I do have some of my images there. I pulled them off of um, places like iStock Photo because for the kind of stuff that I shoot, uh, it was not worth it for me. And I just went went to get a, a, a funny example here. This um, this is one of my very first cover shots. Um, okay. This is on the journal Nature. Uh, the journal Nature Structural and Molecular Biology. Yeah. I was paid a dollar and change for this. What? Yeah, yeah. And so, and when I went to uh, to see how much it cost me to to actually get a copy of this, um, <laughs> it, the, the, the trade publication. I mean, they cost like hundreds of dollars. They they were so gracious to send me a complimentary copy. Um, I am not a fan of of the stock model, but if 
if you shoot for it, if you shoot something that you know will have a very wide audience and you know exactly what subject matter you can get a thousand downloads on and you do your job very well, there's a business model for you. Yeah. Uh, and you'll have more people using it if it's rolled into the other creative tools that people offer. What I would like to see Adobe do is take all of the people out there that don't normally use stock photos and entice them to do it by giving like one free stock photo a month to people with the full Creative Cloud subscription that are already paying Adobe 50 bucks a month. Um, and then That's you have the ability to uh, to introduce a new audience. And, and, and I will make the caveat that you pay whoever uh, that Adobe pays whoever that uh, image you take, uh, yeah. even though you're not directly paying for it. I don't want anybody to be uh, to be uh, short-sighted here. Would I do it? No. But do other photographers make a decent living at it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's the same argument we hear this. I mean, we've been talking about the the demise of penny stock or you know micro stock, whatever you want to call it for years on this week in photo. Jenny, where, where do you fall on this? Stock photography, stock agencies, inside all of your creative cloud apps, what do you think? Well, I mean, that sounds like it would make it more convenient. And people are using images in so many ways, like all their emails, all their, you know, so there's a huge need for them. And I can see that you would be like, oh, good, they're there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I was interested to hear from Cheryl, like what her, the process of deciding to go with Getty and, oh yeah, uh, it's just because they've, I, when I had, when they were with Flickr, that used to be together, right, years mm -hmm. ago, yeah, and they yeah. contacted me and I would read their agreement and my, I, you know, fall asleep and then, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is and I just seven, never Right, I could never decide. I mean, it's complicated. So when you said that, I thought, oh, I would love to hear your thought process and how you decided to do that. Thanks. I read I read the documents. I told a couple of people whose opinion I care about, and every those people told me to stay away. Um, so I I I thought about that and didn't think that that was good advice. Um, so then I read it again. Um, they picked pictures they wanted, and I really liked the pictures they selected. Mm. A lot of them were my my family and children's photos. Something I'd like to talk to you about it on an aside, Jenny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, we do um, have to talk. <laughs> they, so they picked a lot of my family and children. So then the problem was, well, a lot of my clients they pay me a lot of money to take their portraits. So how do I then turn around and say, well, they want me to put you in stock. It became everything became really complicated. Anyway, to make a long story short, I decided to go for it. Just so I signed the contracts. Then I went on to their forums and um, I already had a whole bunch of questions because I, I have to upload pictures. So far I like the people I've met in my Getty forums. I've gotten really very excellent advice from people I don't know. And I've had some correspondence with Getty that I like. I'm still new at it, but I decided that I like the collection they put me in. It looks very, it looks um, classy, sophisticated. And so it, it's for my brand, it, it works. I mean, I, we'll, we'll see what happens once. Right, <laughs> once right. I, you know, ask me in six months. But. And how, how long have you been in that, been in that collection? No, this has just happened in the last month. So I mean, so everything takes takes Getty like two weeks to respond to my emails. But but now that now the conversations are getting more fluid. I just signed up for some ambassador program with them. So um, I think my issue will be which pictures I want to even ask my clients to be included. Which which do I want to keep private? What, how do I approach? models going forward. It, it all seems complicated. It's something actually I'll talk about in our next, something yeah. we'll talk about later. It will make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is all very interesting because we, like I say, we talk about stock photography from time to time on the show. And it seems like when we do these periodic shows and take a core sample look at the state of that industry, it's always changing. I think one of the, one of the, the, the last time or one of the last times that we talked about stock was when, um, who was who was incorporating stock photography? I think it was uh, 500px had done a deal. One of those companies had done a deal. Was that 500px? Don has the stock yeah yeah. 500px now has a a stock um, you know where you can license any of the photos that are on there uh, as a stock thing. I I haven't experimented with it because I've kind of been bitten in the past and I really don't yeah. want to go down that route. Um, 
But I can imagine uh, if you have an image on something like 500px, mm -hmm. if you make it to the popular list, and it's not just it's popular because it's you know a scantily clad woman or something, which you always see in their stream, but it's something that would make a good product photo, then you'll get an audience that you wouldn't otherwise have. But there's not a lot of people that are licensing like beautiful fine art pictures as stock. Stock will usually have another kind of a purpose to it. So for a photographer looking to supplement their income, maybe, but I think that if you're trying to license some of that work, you can get far higher prices if you just do it yourself. Yeah, I wonder where the, where the money is, though. I mean, is the money coming from people like independent content creators like myself, right, and the and Ginny and, you know, on the TWIP network, you know, is it is it those people that are the bulk of the money or is it the people that are, are buying the high-end, you know, like the Sherl-type collection? They're going to collections instead of saying, hey, here's our 15 images of, you know, a shot of a tank that I need for this article. Let me pick this one and go. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Don? I mean, which which side has more weight? It, it, it's it's really case by case when it comes right down to it. When when you think about the stock uh, market, and, and if we talked about this uh, stock photography marketplace in three months, there will be different players and and there'll be different agendas and uh, there'll be different value for both people yeah. on on different sides of the equation. So when I think to myself, well, when I license an image, you know, I, my my base rate. Uh, for licensing an iconic shot is, is over $100. And so, you know, when I have that coming in, then you know, that's far more than I would get from one person li licensing it uh, via stock. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, that same image uh, is stolen frequently and ends up all over the internet where people just found it through Google's image search and decided, well, if it's on Google, it must be free, and then decided to uh, to go ahead and, and use it without permission. Yeah. And then the whole legal stuff starts, and it gets really messy. Um, but, you know, I, I had issues when I was with iStock. And I don't mean to harp on them. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, part of their, uh, their, their, their idea at the time. Yeah. But... If I had somebody that I thought was misusing my image, I could not get from them the records of who had licensed my images. I couldn't get a name from them. Uh, I tried all like, like an adoption program or something. <laughs> you so you can't go find the original parents of this image. It's so not... <laughs> like if I if I knew that five people had licensed a particular piece and I'm seeing one that looks a little bit strange, I can't compare it to the legitimate uses. Only iStock can do that. And then only iStock can pursue that. And then if they pursue copyright infringements, do I get any of that? Well, probably not. Uh, can I convince them to even go after it? Well, maybe not. So you get tied down in, in a certain way. And maybe that's good because a lot of photographers don't have the time to deal with all of that. Yeah. And, and I have some people that deal with it for me. But I don't know. The, the waters are muddy. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that goes both ways. Can, can, the, can the person purchasing contact you? Can they reach out to you? You can't get to them, but can they get... To you, like if someone, Cheryl, if someone buys one of your pieces and they're like, oh, this is beautiful. I want to hire her to go to, you know, photograph my mansion and, you know, with me in front of it. But they want to contact you directly. Is there a way for for the client to get to you through Getty? Do you know? Yeah, my name's a public. It's public. So, so they can Google me. I'm very findable. Um you know, the, in the contract, from Cheryl, they came. They know it came from you when they purchased yeah, it from it's that on, collection. I'm branded right on the okay. image, but um, you know, when you sign the contracts, going back to Jenny, one of one of the big paragraphs is you can't sell similars. So if I sell a picture of Sally's mansion, I can't. I'm not allowed to sell others, even on my own. Is, is my sound sounding funny? You sound fine. Yeah. Okay. Um. But you know, going back to who buys stock, the eight, uh, the the ad agencies, uh, banking, all, industry is who's who is uh, buying Getty. Mm -hmm. and if you look yeah. at their prices, they're you know that's who has the money. Book companies. It's not right? the individuals. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not you know, us. Yeah, or you know, someone's licensing it to to use in a magazine or on a news right. program to illustrate a particular story, that kind of stuff. Or you look at companies like uh, Image Brief, which um, you know some photographers find very successful, where somebody looking for a very specific image will say, we want to buy this image, we want to buy it for X amount of dollars, uh, submit your images to this brief, and we will pick one from, from the setup and pay that rate, and here's all the fees. So if I had an image that said, oh, you know, somebody is looking for a snowflake photograph, and you know they're willing to pay you know a truckload of money for it, well, then yes, I'm going to put my image in for that, and I will use that as a, as a stock venue, mm -hmm. um, depending depending on the value and depending on the contract. Yeah, yeah I, I like them too. I, I, I read their emails 
every day or once a week. So far, I haven't I haven't had anything. <laughs> so Jenny, you did you say that you had images in in stock, or that you were just approached to get them, to put them in there? I was approached to, and then I kind of ran into some of the oh. things that Cheryl's talking about, um, which was, uh, well, you know, the kids, like even my nieces and nephews, like I say to my sister, I'm like, well, can I use a picture of your daughter? She's like, eh, I don't know. Eh. You know, so that's part of it is a lot of the images that I have have particular kids who may or may not be. So I didn't, but I didn't sign up, not really, I just didn't really go down, like, research enough to figure out what to do. Yeah, I'm just curious. I, I wanted to ask you. I'm I'm curious what I know it's going to vary widely from artist to artist, but like the the amount of money that you can make these days cuz I know back back in the day when stock photography was, you know, in its heyday, photographers were making a really really good living off of just licensing images that people would repeatedly buy over and over again. So I'm wondering how that contrasts today, Don. Do you know like how does that in terms of income? Are you gonna be like if you license a bunch of your snowflake images, will you be buying a Tesla next week? No, but I, I do know somebody else that was in that exact space uh, yeah. much before I was, and uh, they said, uh, you know, it, without using any concrete numbers because I can't quite remember, but it's a fraction of what it used to be. Mm. Uh, you know, it, and it's not that there are more people offering images. I mean, that's part of it, but the mm -hmm. cost per license tends to be going down from a lot of these different venues, and we've seen this for years. Um, there are still the corporate clients that want something unique, and so they're going to pay something really big to make sure that that the image that they are licensing is not licensed to anybody else in that same industry or that it's some something of an exclusive. Um, and if you can get into that market, then yeah, you're great. Um, but that's not the majority these days. Yeah. Yeah, so. I will tell you, I, I looked at a bunch of, I, you know, I made believe I was somebody in my, in my, in my, um, I don't even know what it's called, in, in my genre, genre that of, in Getty and they, this, I mean, you, I could make a lot of money. I yeah. definitely make a lot of money. So, well, I mean, what's was, a lot of money? I mean, you know, a lot of money is like um, thousands and thousands of dollars for limited time usage of a of a picture, a quarter page ad. You're yeah. talking, you know, um, for a month or six weeks usage. Um, as, you know, uh, billboards. I didn't even look. You're talking yeah. about tens of thousands of dollars. So there, I mean, there's still money to be made. You just, I mean, it's sort of like gambling a little. I mean, who who knows? Right, right, right. I wonder. I wonder. Where, well, I'm going to check in with you again. <laughs> we'll see, we'll right. see how I do. I want to see if you're, I want to see, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm with you. If you're going to see what kind some, of car she's driving. Yeah, like we should say, yeah, let's find out. Like in, in, <laughs> in July, Cheryl was driving a what, you know, and now she's in her what. So yeah, that'll be a good test. All right, guys. This is a this is a good show so far. All right, here we go. So we're gonna take a quick break. After that break, we're gonna be talking about the Taylor Swift and that Apple Music controversy, specifically one photographer who calls her out for being a hypocrite. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or 
you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds. And expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your, on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. Uh, story number three, a photographer called out Taylor Swift for hypocrisy. So let me read the story to you that Bruce put in our notes here. So Taylor Swift is feeling the heat from photographers after a photographer called her out on her photo contract for her current 1989 world tour. Now the tour is called 1989. Now our friends over at Petapixel say photographer Jason Sheldon published an open letter to Taylor Swift accusing her of being a hypocrite by accusing Apple of treating artists unfairly while she, while she herself is handing out heavy-handed contracts. And uh, I'm going to, Don, I want you to read us what the heavy hand in this contract is from the notes. Well, okay, so w when we're talking about um, this kind of thing, it, you, first of all, you have to read the contract, and if you don't agree with the contract, then you don't take the job. I, yeah, I want to yeah, say that. Bottom line, yeah, if the contract says only people wearing pink shoes and a green top hat can shoot in my in my venue, then that's the only people that get in. You can't argue with that, right? Well, exactly. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different things here uh, in here. One of them that is uh, is particularly uh, egregious, and I don't know if they can even uphold this in a contract, is uh, if you fail to fully comply with this authorization, authorized agents of FEI, that's the, uh, the, the I guess, the, um, the agent, the Firefly Entertainment, yeah. um, the artists and the related entities uh, may confiscate and or destroy the technology or devices that contain the master files of the photographs and other images, including but not limited to cell phones and memory cards and the photographs uh, and any other images. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of that language just, I mean, that just doesn't seem constitutional. And I don't think you can put that into a contract to say that if there was photos, out-of-focus pictures of your cat on the same memory card, they can't take that from you and confiscate it and destroy it because it's not their prerogative to do so. Uh, but what if, what, if, what if they handed out memory cards to everyone as they went in? Then well, would sure. that change it? I, I mean, maybe... To some small degree, I don't or made think you that they purchase, do that. made you purchase a fresh memory card before you went in to prove that were none, there were none of your personal cat images when you came into the venue. Well, but then they can't, they can't say for sure that you would use that card. And so That's if you right, then choose right. to use a different card, they are still obligated to uh, uphold the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but that's getting really, uh, you know, pedantic about this stuff. It's true. It's true. The uh, the language in here is being so unfair, and there's language to say that the image images that you use can be only used by one particular venue, and you have to write that venue down in the contract beforehand, yeah. and it's a one-time use for this year. And uh, and so then they say that they have full rights to use everything else in perpetuity from that point forward. And so this is really leaving photographers in a lurch here because, well, I mean, yes, technically, technically you own the copyright to it. But, I mean, they take everything else away from you and, and you've got nothing to show for it. So, yeah. so that, why that, even that, show up? I mean, after I, if I was sitting at home at my kitchen table reading through that, I'd be like, you know what, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to well, go I mean, It depends on how much they pay, right? There's nothing in here that states exactly how much that costs. Yeah, that's And true. Uh, in, in comparison, I, I did some work for BBC Science recently over this past winter. Uh, and while there's non-disclosure agreements and stuff that, that uh, I can't talk about the content per se, but uh, I in there it says that they have a 10-year exclusivity on, on that kind of content that I provided to them. 
and I agreed. I mean, that was something that I wanted to do. Um, knowing that, if I had chosen not to, then I've chosen not to. But I'm biding by the contract that I'm agreeing to. If you don't yeah. agree to it, just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I fall right in. That seems like basic logic. But, you know, I, I understand the other side, too, of, you know, basic basic rights as you go in there not to have your camera taken away from you and stomped on. Jenny, what about, what about you? What do you? If there was a stomp on camera clause in the contract at the venue that you were going to shoot, would you go anyway? or would you? I don't know. Does my insurance cover that or no? <laughs> yeah, I, I have to talk to my insurance. Totally. No, that sounds, it was pretty extreme when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is very extreme. I don't know. Cheryl, has anything, I mean, have you ever signed a contract that, that was this binding in your career? Uh, no. I, you know, I used to work in the music business. Um, I've never seen a contract like that either. But, you know, I, you know, look at, look at it from Taylor Swift's side. What? She's worked so hard to be her. Yeah. It's her image, right? And that's her, that's yeah, her asset. It's, so it's her. It's her. Yeah. She owns herself. I mean, well, yeah, I, I agree with you, Cheryl. But let's say somebody takes uh, a compromising picture of her on a street corner, you know, then it's outside of her venue. It's outside of her contract. I mean, it's a picture of her, sure, but the paparazzi are doing this all the time outside of contracts and and defaming people, uh, you know, by taking a photo completely out of context from what it was. And and there's there's little recourse for that because I mean they might be in a public place. Now a concert is of course not a public place, and this is where they want to shine and be their best. Which to me seems like you should let these pictures go everywhere. Yes, you retain use for them, but let the photographer share them with any news media that could possibly want to use it, uh, and and get those better shots out there aside from the ones that are are really um, compromising. It sounds like this, this is a chance for another artist to come along and and have the opposite opinion. Say, hey, you heard about the Taylor Swift thing? You know what, guys, come to my concert. Take as many pictures as you want. Just use the hashtag band name, you know, and you're all good, <laughs> right? That would explode it, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, that's Cheryl, what happens. You you, well, young, you know, younger bands are hungry for people to photograph them. They, you know, they want the publicity. I mean, I agree with you, Don, but just on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, so to speak, say, say Taylor, you know, she controls her venue. She controls everything about her as much as she can. Obviously, she can't control paparazzi, but she, so she puts on this show, and say you had a photographer there, uh, say she started making out with someone in, 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 in the third act, but so these photographers can only... Uh, photograph in the first song or the second song I think the contract says mm -hmm. so say in the third song she decides to make out with a girl so if she can't control but this is the thing if she can't control those pictures and that her concept become comes about her making out with a girl not Taylor Swift being you know Taylor Swift yeah. so I, I feel like she's trying to control what her concert is it's it's propaganda but mm -hmm. um and we're talking about it, so it's it's you know. But then, how how many cell phone pictures would there be of people in the audience that see that kind of thing that are absolutely terrible? That these people are not under contract, and probably by the venue they're not allowed to. But that doesn't mean they're not going to show up everywhere. Uh, well, that's true too. That's true. Well, and there was an example, and I wish I had written down that. But in those notes, there was an example of one of the photographers who took a picture of Leonard Cohen that was great. But they didn't. Paper didn't want to license it, so they used this terrible, like the reporters. <laughs> and it, that was the most interesting thing to me. But I think it's a part of not realizing that a photographer, like they think they're. It's sort of like in food photography, like you make this beautiful food, you think that's the point. But a food photographer knows there's a lot that goes into getting a good picture of it. Yeah. And so I think that in the issue of her not valuing the photographer, you know, like that whole question of she saying you should always be paying people for their music and the photographer was saying, yeah, you should always be paying photographers for their art too. Yeah. And I think it was kind of this idea like, well, they just come and take pictures of how great I look. Yeah. Yeah. But, but she is paying them and so that, that's the thing, right? Paid. They are getting paid though. They're yeah. just, their use, their usage, their hands are tied with the usage. Usage, yeah. Yeah. Well, is she a hypocrite? I don't know. Twip, 
Army, if you have an opinion on it, leave it in the comments for this episode, and we'll we'll get the debate started. Is Taylor Swift a hypocrite, or is she not? Who's right, Don or Cheryl? <laughs> I, I will say that probably this contract was not drafted with Taylor Swift's uh, say-so. I mean, she, this probably completely uh, it did not involve her whatsoever, um, but now that it's in the public eye, I think that it is, and mm -hmm. I think that it's in her best interest to uh, to take some sort of uh, you know action against this you know to to stand up and say okay this is why it is the way it is and not to stand behind her representatives because this is directly affecting her name uh, and her music and nobody else can speak to that but her yeah absolutely well said well said yeah well said. All right, guys, let's move on to uh, some listener Q&A. This week's question comes to us from, what's his name, Doug. and says He says, I hear a lot of photographers who recommend exposing to the right. What do they mean by exposing to the right, and what are the benefits? Who wants to take this? Don, you want to take a stab at it? Okay, well, uh, there's, there's two main thought processes here. Um, you can expose uh, to the right and... and uh, See, I, I don't, I don't follow photographic rules per se, so I might get this backwards, but you'll, you'll understand what I mean. Um, so one is when the histogram is pushed to the right, one is when the histogram is pushed to the left. Um, so exposing to the right means that you will have more information on the right half of the histogram compared to on the left hand. And this is valuable for some people because there's more information stored in those brighter pixels. Uh, and so if you're trying to do image manipulation or just image quality overall, you will have a higher quality image. Yep. The other process is to expose for the highlights. And so this is where you try to make sure that the highlights are not overexposed. So the highlights might even fall somewhere toward the middle of the histogram, although, I mean, be smart about it, but just not to push them beyond the limits. Because when you have a, uh, when you have a pixel that is completely overexposed and it's like bright, bright white and there's no recovering it, well, there's no recovering it. Yeah. But on the other side of that histogram, the blacks, there's almost never a value of pure black. There's almost always something that you can pull up out of the shadows. You introduce a lot of noise by doing it, uh, but this is how I typically shoot. So I make sure that those highlights are there because I can't bring them back if they're gone, and I can work some magic in post if I need to boost the shadows up just a little bit. Now, this is true of my sort of nature and landscape kind of work and my macro work. This might not be the same thought process of somebody that does portraiture. Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all this is, if you're an HDR shooter, none of this matters because you're automatically exposing to the for the highlights and the shadows and the midtones and you merge it all together. Uh, uh, Jenny, you have anything to add to that, exposing to the right? No, I mean, I think, no, I think that's pretty thorough. Yeah, yeah. That was, a, Don just rattled off an ebook. Yeah. That was... <laughs> That was an ebook titled Exposing to the Right by Don Kamerschka. <laughs> no, that's good. That is good stuff. I know a lot of photographers that, that that's, they live by that. They live by the histogram. I've never been a histogram shooting photographer, but, you know, some, I, I some people really keep that up there all the time, right? If I'm doing, like, night photography, say if I'm out doing a star trail or something, I cannot trust the back of my LCD screen because it's going to appear much brighter than the complete blackness around me, and yep. the exposure is then going to look more correct than it actually is. Right. Then if I bring up the histogram and I see everything just pounded towards the left-hand side because it's all mucky, then I'm going to increase my ISO by a stop, or I'm going to try to let in more light in other ways uh, and to try and compensate for that, even though it might look a little bit too bright on the LCD because, of course, in context of pitch around me, the histogram is going to tell me a bit of a more truthful story. Yeah. I think that's the point there, is the not trusting the LCD. Like, that's what the histogram is. Like, that's exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. trust, the, trust the computer. Not Don't trust your eyes. Trust the computer. Right? Always. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right, great answers, guys. Um, let's move on. If you guys have a question, Twip Army, that you want us to tackle on the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on the Submit a Question link, and you can send us a question or even leave us a voice message. All right, let's jump into our Picks of the Week segment. And, guys, remember, this can be anything that you want to recommend to the Twip audience as long as it is related to photography. Cheryl, I'm going to let you go first. What's your Pick of the Week? Well, I picked um, my favorite app which is called Todoist, and oh, yeah. um, so it's related to photography because for all us busy photographers, mm -hmm. I found this, is, um, I, this has been my saving grace. It, it allows me to 
or you to put all like I I write books, I teach, I teach online, I do mentoring. I could put all these categories and then I can write down all the things I have to do and it, it will send me emails and it put it on my calendar. It'll do whatever I need to do to remember cool. things. Yeah. So it's my um I did reach out to to do it and told them how much I love their app and so they gave me three promo codes that I'm running on my a Facebook campaign. So I put it in the show notes to okay. link to my Facebook and the the premium code is the premium subscription is thirty dollars a year. So I'm giving away three half years. Oh cool. So all you have to do is sign up on my Facebook and you'll be in the drawing. All right, cool. All right, and we'll link to that from the from the notes. Very good. Good pick of the week. All right, Jenny, what's yeah. your pick of the week? It's your first pick of the I, week ever. It was hard. I I actually wrote something in and then I took it out and I put something. <laughs> you like editing? <laughs> I was. I did. If people, someone like looked earlier, I would have said something else. So I decided on. Uh, it's a book. I love books, and so it's a book called Capture the Moment by Sarah Wilkerson, who's the CEO of Clickin' Moms, which is my, you know, it's just photographers who are moms. And the book is a collaboration. I mean, it's, she used photos from all different people in the community, which I just love that, that she just, it wasn't all about like shining the light on her work. She just, all these people who are part of Clickin' Moms, she used their photos and it's really inspirational. She just has different just different ideas and it's not all there are all the settings there and in the back there's a lot of uh, technical information but in general the book is really it's not a beginner could use it but it's not really it's really kind of just inspirational to me and just neat to see because it's family work so that's what I is love. Is it a hardcover? Is it like a hardcover yeah. coffee table book? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it's nice. really beautiful. It's really beautiful. So. I love it. I love it, and we'll we'll link to that so people can go pick that up. I think I will pick that one, or you can just send me that one, Jenny, if you want. You know, send that along when you're oh, done yeah. with it. Okay. We'll do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Great. I'm going to be, I'm gonna be talking to her. I'm really excited. I'm going to be talking to Sarah Wilkerson on my show later oh. this month. So what, I'm really what, excited to what, talk to her. About give us it. a sneak peek. What episode is that coming up in? Do oh, know? I don't know yet. I don't know yet about that. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't, know. I don't have the episode. Okay. I just Good. love her work, so. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. All right, Mr. Don Komarechka, what's your uh, pick of the week? Well, uh, with a few caveats, I want to uh, to recommend the, uh, the the one of Canon's newest lenses, and so Ooh. this is the uh, the 11 to 24, and I've been test driving this thing this weekend, and it is a really fun lens to use. Uh, it's gigantic. Uh, the, this is probably the biggest lens cap that I've ever seen uh, outside yeah. of like, a super telephoto lens. <laughs> you could eat a bowl of uh, cereal out of that, man. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, I know, I'm trying to think of what we should compare that to for people who are just listening to like, so they can understand how big that is. It it's looks about, what does that look it, like? If you, if you put two of them together, it would cover Don's entire head. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe even one and a half, right? Yeah. Um, so... But th this is a lens that is wider than pretty much any other lens that I've used, um, and I've always like I've I've got the Canon uh, 24 to 105. It's a great travel lens for me, um, but I've always wished it was a little bit wider than that. And Nikon has famously had their 14 to 24 for quite some time, and I was very envious of it. So I wanted to try Canon's version of that and to see what I could come up with. But um, at 11 millimeters, it is it is a very special use case lens. I mean, it's not like you're going to say, oh, wow, wider is better. It's going to make this room as a real estate photographer look so much bigger. The edges get really stretched. And if you know what you're doing, you can kind of resize things and, and kind of correct from that. The, the, it's rectilinear. The lines are straight, but the edges of the frame get distorted just in their thicknesses misrepresented. Yeah. You know, somebody standing near the edge of the frame, of course, is going to look twice their weight. Um, yeah. uh, but... For that, I mean, I might use that for landscape photography. I might use it for some astrophotography, but it's only f4, not f2.8, and that was a big, uh, a big downside for me because I want a lot of light coming in for yeah. a lens that has a front element that is that big. Uh, I want f2.8 on something like this, and uh, and so it, it, it's not there. Yeah, it's still 
a lens that you can do things with that uh, if you need it, then you need it. And it's a wonderful thing to have. You can really stretch out landscapes and you have rocks in the foreground that you want to pass leading lines all the way through your corners. It's a great tool for it and it's a wonderful thing to have in a camera bag um, if you can afford it because it's not a cheap lens either. I mean multiple thousands of dollars uh, to get your hands on one of these on a permanent basis. But wait, wait, multiple thousands, what are we talking? Two thousand? Three thousand? Well, I, I didn't I guess is 2500 It's probably somewhere around there. I didn't actually look up the exact price because this is just a test drive that I have from Canon, but um, I would say that this would be the lens that I'm not going to recommend somebody to buy, but I'm going to recommend somebody to rent. Go and find uh, like out somewhere you know you're going to be shooting some stars or you're going to be near some water that you can do some really dramatic landscapes with, bring this lens along, give it a test drive and see if it makes a, a world of difference to you. If it does, then it's something you should keep. If you can't figure it out, then it's one of those things that no amount of time would really find a proper use for. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Excellent. All right, we'll link to all these products, Don's uh, Canon 11 and 24, Cheryl's Todoist, and Jenny's Capture the Moment by Sarah Wilkerson in the show notes for this episode. All right, guys, we are all the way through another episode of TWIP 419, Jenny Stein's first time on the show. Yeah, how'd it go, Jenny? Was it was it okay? Were you? Well, you tell me. It was fun for me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm never inviting you back again. It's over. That's right. You're right. I'll, I'll wait and see with that invitation's in my box. <laughs> oh, you're like you know that thing I said on the show. I was serious about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. How, so yeah, I think you did really well. You did really well. Thank Tell us you. what's coming up Thanks. for you. What do you have coming up this month and beyond? Well, I'm just working on the podcast. It's new, so that's great. And I, you know, I'm getting the hang of different things. It's getting a little easier already, so that's mm -hmm. great. So I'm doing that. And then it's summer. All my kids are home. So we have camp, and then we're going to go to Traverse City to go to Lake Michigan. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm excited about We've never been there, so that's uh, it's exciting. And then uh, in the fall, I'm hoping to uh, – well, I am going to uh, Click Away, which is, again, like Click and Moms. I was talking about that, but uh, it's there. They do a conference, so I'm excited. I have not gone to a photo conference before. What? I have all these kids. I know. I just stay at home with my family. Yeah. And so now my youngest is a little older, and so I saw that, and there's some really uh, – just interesting people. Uh, Sue Bryce is going to be there. Oh, cool. And Karen yeah. Waldron. Just some people I really, and uh, Jester Rock, who I just talked to on the show, is going to be there. So I'm really excited about that. Very That's cool. That's until October. That's good. That's good. Well, welcome to the This Week in Photo family officially. I know I said it on your show, but. Thank you. It's been so fun to be part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's, it's great. gonna be a roller coaster ride. Hold on, it's a good show. <laughs> and uh, and speaking of shows, Mr. Don Komarechka, who's promised his show, but you said by October. Did I hear October? Well, see, so that was originally October 2014, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was 13, but okay, who's counting? <laughs> So, uh, you know, like I said, I have no other big projects uh, in the wings uh, that are going to take precedent to that. So I don't want to hurt myself by giving you a date, Frederick, but I'm going to say <laughs> as soon as I can humanly do it. Okay, excellent. And what do you have coming up on your, uh, on your plate? Well, you know, I do a lot of workshops, and so I just had some ones. I, I purposely built a, a classroom uh, right next to me in the other room, and uh, I did some macro water droplet refraction workshops a couple of, you know, this weekend, last weekend. A lot of fun. Uh, and so for three hours, we drill right down into those subjects. And if you're, if you're local to me, uh, you can always check that out. It's at doncom.ca. Just click on workshops. Uh, and I do something, you know, a lot of people love. Um, everybody that I've talked to, um, you know, photographic knowledge, sitting in classrooms, the biggest part of that that everybody enjoys is critiques yeah. and so they, they like to have somebody that uh, is is a qualified expert on a particular topic whether it be post-processing or composition or anything look at their work and give them meaningful feedback as to how to improve it not just in post but in camera and so I offer uh, online uh, critiques that are recorded as well uh, so if you're curious anywhere in the world you can get in touch with me and uh, if you like the way that I look at photography, then uh, then I can help you along as well. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, and you're you're you know how to teach. You know how to get the word across. There's other teachers on the network. I won't talk about them right now, but yes, there's a lot of teaching skill on the This Week in Photo Network. Jenny, you're like smiling, like you're like the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> He's like, you're not talking about me. I know. Yeah. Well, I know, Frederick. I, I do want to say that every person I did, that I used is to teach. 
Well, every person that's a, that's a co-host on This Week in Photo or that has a podcast on this network, we are all excellent teachers. Yeah. Um, and that, that's why we're doing this, and, and we're all sharing knowledge uh, through this medium. And, uh, and, and before we, uh, we carry on, uh, I want to say thank you, Frederick, for putting all of this together and getting such a great group of people. I mean, it's continuing to grow in some wonderful ways. Yeah, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, thank you for the kudos. And yeah, it's growing beyond its britches. So I have to get some new britches for it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's good. It's good. It's a growing kid. Thanks, Don. I appreciate that. And Cheryl, what do you have coming up on your your adventures? I feel like you're running all over the place all the time. What's going on? (laughs) Let's see. I'm putting out my um, iBook on photographing children. That'll be out sometime in July, um, doing my photo safaris, I mentor, um, starting up with a bunch of new people. I have a four online classes starting July 10th, um, two on color, which I'm really excited about, one on photographing children, one on hand painting photos. I'm photographing children. I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm You're writing a couple of books, and I'm busy. So that's why I have my to-do list to help me stay organized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what and speaking of organized, where where are you going to be online? What's your website and your Twitter handle and all that? Um my website is CherylMichatteDorskin.com. My Twitter is Cheryl M. Dorskin. Um Instagram, Cheryl Michette Dorskin. Just Cheryl Michette Dorskin or or try your best to spell it, you'll find me. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and we'll link to, we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes. And Don, what about you? What's your what's your URL and place where people can go to land on your work? Doncom.ca, D-O-N-K-O-M.ca, and everything is linked from there. All right, and Jenny Stein, what about you? Where are you at online? I'm at uh, Familiar Light, so familiarlight.com, and then you know you can see I really what I'm most working on is the podcast right now. So you can go to twip. Thisweekinphoto.com. Slash family. Slash family. Yep. You own slash family. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that brings us up to the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors, Panasonic, Lumix Cameras, and Fresh Books for for their support and helping us keep the lights on in the TWIP studios, which are all over the planet. And also, listeners, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>